Welcome back to the MCU Exchange Podcast. We're so glad to have you. Today we're talking about the Defenders, Avengers 4, uh, Kevin Feige and the cosmic side of the MCU, Luke Cage Season 2 filming, and a whole lot more. We'll also have a little bit from Rhiannon about the writer's strike, and our and as always, we'll go over Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the latest episode. Also, we'll have a main discussion about the interconnectedness of the MCU, and if it's time for that to go away. So go ahead and strap in that Infinity Gauntlet and listen to the MCU Exchange Podcast. Woo! Welcome back to the podcast, guys. We've got Rhiannon and Adam with us, as always, and we are just excited about uh, another week of wonderful marvelness. So we're going to go ahead and jump in, and we're going to start with the Defenders. Uh, recently, there was an interview with Jessica Henwick, and it didn't seem like there was a whole lot in the interview, but she mentions that the Defenders is going to happen within the narrative about one month after Iron Fist. Which is kind of interesting. She also said that it's going to open with her not in New York City. Uh, I think maybe there's some hope by some that that means that we're going to see a little more of Kunlun. I don't think there's much hope for that, but maybe that's part of what's going on. Uh, It's definitely interesting in that it's a short break. A lot of the MCU sort of assumes that the events are happening at the rate the shows come out, but that's not always true. Uh, Rhiannon, you're our Defenders expert. Was this uh, surprising to you? Do you think this is interesting? Do you have any thoughts about how uh, how that timing's going to work? So this is completely shocking, um, but I had never thought about how far. I, I think I sort of assumed Defenders would be right after I Am Fist. The other shows overlap a little bit, so there being one month between Iron Fist and Defenders seems totally natural to me if they can't make it overlap. And I'm not sure, as far as her comments, if it means we don't see Colleen until one month after the end of Iron Fist, because it's possible that, you know, they're all evidently searching for something and then they all end up in the same place at the same time. So it's possible that by the end of Iron Fist... Matt Murdock is already searching on that thing or, you know, already working with Luke. So I I don't think it even means that we'll definitely not. I think they still could be overlapping. Um, But I really hadn't given it a whole lot of thought. I am just uh, starting to take prop bets now on how many minutes into the uh, or the series. Excuse me, the season. They first referenced the incident. I have it probably about four minutes right now. It's funny. I've been starting to slowly rewatch all of the Netflix shows, like building up to uh, Defenders. And I'm going to be writing about that on the site uh, if you guys want to read about it, uh, where I just kind of like look at it in retrospect now that I've seen it all. And seriously, like five minutes into the first episode of Daredevil, they're looking at the offices and the lady talks about the incident. And I immediately thought of you, Adam, because of that thought. <laughs> I do think it's interesting because we still don't really know how this Kunlun and the hand and Madame Gao, like how all those things overlap. And so it felt a little weird that this would be so close on to it. But it may be that Kunlun and what happens at the end of Iron Fist was not a teaser for season two, but it was a teaser for Defenders. And maybe that's like obvious. But it's just not something, for some reason, I took that 
uh, last scene of Iron Fist as a cliffhanger for Iron Fist season two. Like immediately that's where I filed it in my brain and I figured he'd kind of forget about it and just come back to handle whatever's going on in the Defenders. But it may be that that was supposed to directly launch us into Defenders, which is just something I hadn't considered before. I don't so. see how Danny could forget that Kunlun disappeared. I mean, I, I, I think that's a pretty traumatic thing. Like his role was to guard that city and he showed up and it was gone i think that's gonna hit danny pretty hard i i have a feeling that's gonna play in very carefully i mean you that it's gonna be an important part of the defenders especially from remember back when they did the quotes when they did all the interviews with everybody finn jones was the one that said that danny is the one that knows everything about what they're fighting so i expect it to play in pretty well yeah I think that all makes a ton of sense. If I liked Danny Rand from the show <laughs> a little bit more, and I felt like he was a little more responsible about his, you know, job, then it would make even more sense. But yeah, I totally see what you're saying. Poor Danny. Poor Iron Finn. Look, I, uh, yeah, I think it goes to the, you know, to show how immature of a character he is, you know, how much growth he still has, because... That was his sole purpose on life was to, or in life's to protect Kun Lun. And then he goes back expecting it to be there, you know? And I think it just goes to show that uh, it's still naive and immature, but yeah, what do I know? Hey, if he comes back, like I've learned my lesson and I'm going to not go headlong into everything and not think before I act, that would be awesome. That would be a good character development for me. So. Um, all right, Avengers 4. Um, so this is a story where we're going to tell you a news thing, and then we're going to tell you that that's not true. So this week, it looked like Zoe Saldana had slipped something really important. Kevin Feige had told us that we can't have the title to Avengers 4 because it would uh, spoil something in uh, Infinity War. If you're super sensitive to spoilers... You may want to skip the next minute or two, but I don't think it actually is a spoiler. So Feige said the new title would would spoil something that happens in Infinity War. And then Zoe Saldana said, oh yeah, I'm going to go back to work on Infinity Gauntlet later this year. Now, a lot of people immediately, including our site, said, hey, it looks like that might be the title. Um, it didn't seem like that spoiled much of anything. That didn't seem right. And like the next day, James Gunn came out and said, no, that's not the title of the movie. Um, I have heard some people suggest, I think it's plausible, that the Infinity Gauntlet or Gauntlet might be the working title of Avengers 4, but that's not the title of the movie. Um, any thoughts, Adam, I'll, I'll start with you. Any thoughts about if that's real or not, or if it means anything to you? No, not necessarily. You know, I'm not sure how big of a spoiler the title of Avengers 4 could be unless it's like Avengers... Oh crap! Cap dies or something. You know, I'm I, I'm just trying to th <laughs> <laughs> like passing I'm the just shield. To think of a, a way that it's a, a spoiler. How it's I don't know. You know, I can't really think of a way it is. You know, this whole time I've kind of been thinking that movies are essentially part one and part two, but it almost seems like if they're really really drifting away from that. So I really don't know what. Uh, the second title could be. 
So I have a I have a new theory, and I don't know if I believe it, but it would be interesting. Uh, and this is a little bit stealing from some of the stuff Doug has write on our, wrote on our website about the um, elders of the universe. It's a little bit stealing from some other podcasts that I've listened to and heard, but also things that I was developing in my own mind when I heard it was be a spoiler. Um, and also a little bit from the fact that I don't know how Josh Brolin is going to shoot Avengers 4 and Deadpool 2 at the same time. What if at the end of Infinity War they defeat Thanos and the gauntlet hits the floor and Grandmaster swoops in, picks it up, and says, all right, now we're going to do things my way. And he creates a massive contest for all of our heroes. And Avengers 4 is actually Avengers Secret Wars. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Everybody is determined to get me to read those comics. So I would know what you're talking about. (laughs) It's like the third time it's come up the past week. (laughs) Yeah. So there's there's been a couple of Secret Wars. Um, Adam, you probably know this better than I do. The most recent one was their way of kind of resetting things and merging the Ultimate Universe with the uh, main universe. Adam, do you know the old Secret Wars well? I don't know anything other than that's where we got the, the symbiote for Venom. but Yeah, not too much. It was like a contest of champions type deal. You know, the, the newest one, it's hard to see it, them do some sort of event like that right now because i would save that for a time where they kind of want to reboot everything you know because it it combined all of the multiverse and marvel comics all under one singularity so after they inevitably have a a string of four bad movies in 2030 or whatever maybe they boot it with secret wars then yeah basically rihanna the idea is Secret Wars is where all of the heroes get thrown into some kind of world or battle realm or weird place. This last time it was Doctor Doom like piecing together an existence from all the best parts of the universes he could find. So he kind of took Old Man Logan and he took Miles Morales Spider-Man and he took a lot of other stuff and he just stuck it together and kind of made the heroes fight amongst each other or fight against him. And it's kind of a way to do a big what-if storyline that's very different and goofy and weird. So that's kind of the concept behind it. Okay. And that's the same direction that I'm thinking in that perhaps the end of Infinity War or the first whatever is that they end up in in a cosmic realm in some alternate universe. You know, I'm thinking even like on S.H.I.E.L.D., for them to be agents of Hydra, announcing that too early would have been some sort of spoiler. Um, just that general idea that they're going to end up somewhere that if they even told you where it is would be too much. What if the twist was Avengers framework and Ward is the king exactly. of the universe? Already bought my ticket. <laughs> oh. Sign me up. But yeah, I mean, I think I think it's something like that. I think whatever the title is, they're going to go into a comic storyline that we're not totally expecting. Uh, it doesn't make any sense from to me because the comics were Infinity Gauntlet followed by Infinity War. It seems really weird that it would be Infinity War followed by Infinity Gauntlet. Like you can't tell the story backwards. Um, 
And just if you're listening and you're like, oh, I can't believe you guys spoil. We're not spoiling anything. We are speculating. This is probably utterly wrong. We're just kind of having fun at guesses. So, um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. It appears that we still don't know the title of that movie. I'm going to be fascinated to see if Feige can keep it under wraps for another twelve months. It seems to me that will be a Herculean task, but uh, maybe maybe the cast won't know the name. Yeah, that's very possible. We know that they don't share a lot of information with the cast if they don't have to. So. Yeah. All right, um, the next uh, little bit that we have, Kevin Feige's been doing a lot of interviews, and honestly, um, it's hard to keep up with all of them and what he said where. But generally speaking, uh, he said two things I want to touch on real quick. The first is that Marvel is going to continue to push into the cosmic side of the universe, that more and more of these movies are going to take place in space and involve a lot of those elements um, that I think Marvel fans love, but also... um, it's probably new for com- uh, people that aren't comic book readers. So that's interesting. Um, and he also said that, uh, well, we'll get to this other part in a minute. As far as that cosmic stuff, Rhiannon, you are um, not a big reader of the cosmic stuff. It's all kind of new to you. When you hear that, does that excite you? Or is it kind of weird that they're going to go in a direction that's kind of opposite of the stuff that you love most? Since you, you like Daredevil and stuff like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get me excited. Like, it doesn't... Nothing about... I mean, but I wasn't excited about Doctor Strange. Like, I wasn't excited about Doctor Strange at all until I saw the trailer. And the trailer got me hyped. And then I saw the movie. And I loved the movie. And I consider it to be somewhat cosmic, you know, um... Just at least the fight with Dormammu or the the persistent taunting right. of Dormammu. Um, so, uh, no, I'm not excited about the cosmic side of the universe. You know, if they had said they're going to come down and, you know, hang out with all of the other, you know, it's going to be a grand, true reunion of the whole MCU, then I would be really excited. But, um... We'll wait and see. I mean, we don't even know what that means right now. Yeah, it was. Uh, I always had hoped that they would go a little smaller in Phase Four because I don't think they're going to be able to go bigger than someone wielding a glove that has the power of a god in it, you know. But um, it seems to be the way they're going. Adam, I think you're a little more into the cosmic stuff. Does this excite you that there might be more of those movies coming? Absolutely, I love it. Give us all the cosmic movies you can. Now, we uh, speaking of the cosmic stuff, we have also heard from Feige. Uh, if you hadn't heard before, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which some of our international listeners have already seen. Uh, for the record, we're jealous of you, but nonetheless, I hope it was good. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 takes place mere months after Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a little bit of... Um, uh, it's a different approach. Like we said, usually these movies come out about the time that is, in the same time as the narrative time. And so for there to have been three years since the movies, but it only is a one-month narrative gap is interesting. And what's going to happen then is that Infinity War is going to take place four years from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 within the storyline. So Gamora and Drax and Star-Lord and all those guys 
are going to be four years older at the beginning of Infinity War than they were in the last scene of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, that's really interesting because they're going to come into it, I think, just a little older and a little uh, more formed, and they're going to have more time together. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's kind of an interesting thing, I think, that they're doing. Yeah, I guess I don't... You know, I'm trying to think of the timeline in my head, so if Infinity War is four years after Guardians 2, does that mean Guardians 2's in the past four years you know how far after like the events of civil war is infinity war you know yeah so my understanding of that is civil war happened in 2016 last year and infinity war will happen in 2018 and the two guardians movies take place in 2014 which is the year that the first one came out Okay. Yeah, I guess I'm just starting to get confused with the timeline. You know, everyone's wanting to, um, you know, John Watts and, and the Spidey crew's pretty insistent on him remaining in high school throughout all of his movies. So I'm just trying oh, yeah. to, you know, then the, the timeline with that, you know, obviously you can't have, if he's a sophomore in Homecoming, you can't have the junior year one. You know what yeah, I'm trying to say? Yeah, that makes sense. So the timeline's going to Pretty darn wonky. Well, and it already is because they talk about this stuff, but Marvel is not like Lucasfilm. You know, Lucasfilm has a story group where there's like, honestly, just some nerds in a room that get paid to like date every event in Star Wars and to make sure everything lines up appropriately. And it's pretty obvious Marvel doesn't have that because we get really confused on the Netflix shows. Like Rhiannon, we were talking the other day about how Luke Cage and Daredevil season two are supposed to inter inter like weave with in with one another, but we have a really hard time figuring out like how they do it, you know. So those timelines are a little a little tricky, particularly when Agents of Shield references Daredevil season two, I think, but it's also with the movies. It's just it's very hard. I, and I feel like the movies. I feel like they should be able to keep the timeline in place. I mean, Marvel has enough of a brain trust there. It, I don't know why the continuity wouldn't be there that well, but yeah, it's it's going to be hard. I think the reality of it is it bothers me and I feel like they should care, but if the X-Men universe has taught us anything, people really don't care, <laughs> which we'll get into our big conversation later. You know, like the X-Men universe timeline has been just a total mess. Professor X hasn't aged in about 25 years of story time in that universe. So uh, I think ultimately I care about it more than anyone else does. So uh, we also found out guardians of the galaxy uh, is uh, projected to have a hundred million dollar opening this weekend. So international openings can be a little goofy because not everybody in the world necessarily gets at the same time. So an opening weekend for civil war will include a different group of movie uh, countries than say the opening for guardians of the galaxy volume two. Nonetheless, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is opening at about $100 million, they think, this weekend. That does not include South Korea, China, the United States, or Russia. Uh, and those are obviously gigantic territories and the, the biggest ones in the pot. So $100 million is a good start. Uh, everything is looking good. U.S. opening, they're saying it's tracking 130 to 150 um, I think it could even go a little higher than that. But all things are good. Apparently, lots of people are paying to see this movie which I think should surprise no one. 
we didn't talk about this last week, I don't think, but uh, we just found out that Rosario Dawson is not going to appear in The Punisher, uh, which will make the first Netflix show she's not been in. Uh, Rhiannon, are you sad about this, or does this seem like a natural thing that eventually has to happen, that these shows get a little a little more space from each other? I, I mean, to me, The Punisher is a completely different... It's a spinoff of these series. I still don't know what it's going to be. I'm nowhere near as hyped as everybody else about The Punisher. Or at least, like, the people that are really into the Marvel Netflix side. So I'm not worried about Claire not being there. I kind of like that Claire's not going to be there because it means to me... I mean, there's just this point where one person pops up in too many places that feels unrealistic. We know that Karen's going to be in it. We know that Deborah Ann Wall is going to show up as Karen. And I think that's a great way, you know, because they had a great relationship in Daredevil Season 2. It makes a lot of sense for her to be in it with Frank, whatever they're doing. Um, so that's n- enough interconnectedness for me. Um, I, I, It's not like Claire even met Punisher and... I guess there could be, a, you know, if she's going down the night nurse road, she would probably take care of Frank at some point, maybe. But maybe because he's not a good guy or because he's an ambiguously anti-hero, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't, it doesn't bother me. It's funny me. you said that about getting patched up. My wife's first response when she heard that was... With as much as that guy gets beat up, he's going to have to have somebody helping him get stitched back together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Adam, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm kind of with your wife. Who's going to save all the dying people in the, the moments of need? Nobody gets saved when the Punisher's after them. <laughs> That's right. It's a show that is so full of death. It's the Punisher. There's no forgiveness. Absolutely. No half measures. No half measures, Adam. No no, half I'm measures. just saying what happens if, you know, Karen gets shot. I mean, maybe she dies. In it. I don't know. She could, actually. Frank's going to stitch her up. You heard it here first. Karen Page will die in The Punisher. <laughs> oh, there's... Well, then that helps us with our timeline because... Well, no, I guess Punisher will be after The Defenders because I was going to say that helps us with our timeline. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, no. No, they're they're saving. I do not want Karen Page to get shot up just just before people send us hate mail on that. That's the closest thing to hate mail we've gotten is that people are like, "Why don't you like this character?" I like Karen Page. I like Claire. I don't want either of them to get shot up. Well, and if you know comics at all, they are going to save Karen Page's death. They're going to wait until she builds a really strong relationship with Matt, and they're going to build him to the peak of happiness, and that will be the moment when they kill her. Because her job is to make Matt's life as miserable as possible. You know, like that exactly. is Karen Page's role in the universe. So, um, all right. Uh, Luke Cage. So, Rihanna, we're going to come to you again because you are just lots. Uh, I'm sure you have great thoughts on this. Luke Cage, um, Mike Coulter, this weekend told us live to Adam, who was in the room, that uh, Luke Cage season two is going to start shooting... Adam, what was the time frame that he gave? He, what was it, June to March. Okay, June to March. Uh, if you're and not- yeah, and I have a question. So, like, being in the room, he said 
We will film from June to March. Uh, he so he put it along the lines as he starts in June and then he's he's I, I don't know the exact quote. He's like I start season two in June and that goes till March and he said that twice. And the the biggest thing was I think he's in a movie now. He just got cast in some movie and that's what he is filming now. But he says he starts season two. He starts. He doesn't say we. He says I start filming Luke Cage season two in June and it goes through March. So I'm not sure if he's just booked through march or if they're actually planning on filming through march uh he didn't really specify that that's just insane to me it's insane to so so what that means i mean normally the 13 episode standalone series are filmed over six months they have which gives them about two weeks per episode if this is the actual schedule and they're not doing some major break. Like, if they're not doing half of the season and then taking a three-month break or something, which also seems completely unlikely to me because they just... They gear up these crews and the actors and everything, and they all move out. You know, some of these side characters, they move from California. Like, I mean, I know on Daredevil, like, Eldon Henson and Deborah Ann Wall, they moved from California to New York for six months to film these series. So they wouldn't do, like, three months on, three months off, three months on if they really care about these people. Um, so if they're going to nine months, that means that they're going to film it more with the schedule that they have for the Defenders. That they're going to have three, four, three weeks per episode? that maybe their budget is higher and they're just going to have a higher production quality. That's the only conclusion I can come from with the schedule. The the other thing with this, in this same area of questioning or speaking, he did applaud the transition time between shows of sorts. You know, he kind of went into depth about how the the hair and makeup and the costuming people are all the same. So essentially they just move from set to set to set so the other side of that is unless he's filming something immediately afterwards or something like that i think he was talking moving from jessica jones season two to luke cage season two but who knows maybe they're filming hero heroes for hire one can hope right after luke cage i mean that schedule would make perfect sense if it was that he was going to become luke cage again in june and that he was joining Jessica Jones. So, like, that Luke Cage is going to be in the second half of Jessica Jones. And then they're immediately going to go into Luke Cage season two. That would make sense. That would be pretty decently scheduled. That would be kind of the schedule that they've been following. Because they typically have a show that goes October to March. And then when it goes from March to October. Which may not be exact six month spans. But still, that general, that general schedule. So I'm going to tell our listeners that Rhiannon is probably totally right, but I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to make complete and utterly unbased speculation that is a fulfillment of our fanboy dreams. Would it not be cool if they're basically going to start weaving these shows in and out of each other so much that they do like a half a season of Jessica Jones and then they do a half season of Luke and then another half of Je- like that the stories are kind of coming in and out of each other. And instead of 13 episode chunks of one character, we're going to start seeing six or seven episode chunks of one 
and then the story will dictate to move to a different series a little bit and then back. I mean, that sounds really complicated and it seems really unlikely, but it would be kind of fun too, to where these shows are almost being thought of as just like one big show that has different titles on it instead of being so firmly one or the other. I do think the half seasons thing is a possibility. They've done it with the get down. Uh, I heard that they did it with the ranch. Uh, we know that other shows like Walking Dead and um, a few others have made that decision to kind of film and put out half seasons at a time. Uh, they did it, but I think, with Mad filmed, Men. But, but they filmed straight through. Okay, they do. I mean, when they put when they put in like a hiatus, it's not that they geared up for filming for three months and then stopped for three months and then geared up again for three months. It's they typically are filming straight through and that hiatus is almost what they need because they're airing the episodes and they catch up. Right. Is the way I understand it. So I could be wrong too. No, no, no. You are probably very right. And I am probably very wrong. I just think it'd be cool if it was like very intimately connected to where we're kind of jumping back and forth between series to tell a story. So and, and I a thousand percent want that. After the Defenders, that is my number one request. I want these series. I do not care when we get Daredevil season three, if Matt Murdock is popping up all over the place in these other shows. Right. I hope more than anything that Luke Cage is just, you know, that when he was talking about the schedule, it's just he's going to be heavily entwined in Jessica Jones season two. And then he's going on to his own season and... Yeah, and maybe instead of Dare, I mean, because on the flip side, we also have Charlie Cox saying that he's going to be filming Daredevil season three later this year or start Daredevil season three later this year. So, I mean, they're obviously going to have production on two shows going at the same time. They've had that for the past six months. It looks as though they're going to continue doing that. But I, yeah, I would love for them all to be jumping into each other's shows. Yeah, because I don't know how they'll market it, but it would be really cool if basically every two months we got five to six episodes of basically the Defender story, you know? And so it like lessened the amount of wait time that we had, but also kind of made the stories more connected. I, I just think that would be cool. And it would help them like with Iron Fist, you know, because people have been so negative on that show, I think it would help for it to be a little more mixed in with everything else. Absolutely. I also predict people will like Iron Fist a whole lot more after they see him interact with the Defenders. Yeah, I think the value of some of his kind of naivete is actually going to come out when he gets around cynics, you know, because the other ones are at least Jessica and Matt are pretty cynical about the world or tortured or something. So his kind of childlike energy, I think, will be less grating when it's actually a palate cleanser for jessica's sort of nihilism you know all right uh the other piece of news i had which is not a big piece of news is that slingshot the um the web series of shorts that was done um featuring yo-yo uh based on the agent of agents of shield kind of universe just run won a webby award um if you're not familiar the webbies are kind of amazing i did a little research into them this week there are like seriously hundreds and hundreds of categories like uh, for web design, uh, website uh, creation, navigation, like all sorts of crazy stuff. 
And so, like, there's awards for, like, best nonprofit organization splash page. <laughs> you know, like, there's just so many of them. But they do some entertainment, and they, uh, this, uh, Slingshot won for the best long form or series drama, which, um, is interesting. I don't think of this as long form at all, but apparently you only have to have five minute episode to be a long form series. So, uh, anyways, congratulations to them. Uh, we were excited to get that extra little peek into that world. And I think we'd like to see more of it. So it's cool to see, uh, ABC getting some reward and some credit for what they did there. So, all right. So now Rhiannon has worked up for us a little report on the writers guild associations, uh, strike. This is something that you've probably been hearing about and can be kind of complex. Rhiannon is kind of our expert in that. And so she's going to share a little bit about that now. Okay. The writer's strike. Here's the deal. We have on one side, the Writers Guild of America, the WGA. On the other side, you never hear about the other side. But anyways, it's the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers, AMPTP. So that's the other side. The two of them come together whenever the contracts run out and they have collective bargaining agreements. Basically, they put all of these things in place that decide how writers are going to get paid. This is, uh, and, and evidently, you know, it's been around for ages. So like it has specifics, like if writers have to deal with horses in the, uh, you know, or if it's a one hour drama with horses, they get paid a certain amount and on the certain scale. If they, um, so if it's a network show, there's a certain pay and a certain scale and a cert- certain way benefits are paid out and um, cable is different. The last big strike, the one that everybody remembers, like the 2007 writer strike, that was to bring all of these policies or the collective bargaining agreement. It was to bring that up to date on streaming services so that writers had a set way to be paid when they worked on streaming programs. Now, um, yeah, and, and it's a gig industry. Like they're working, you know, maybe a few months on a job and then they're unemployed until they get something else. So this agreement, the, the, the union, WGA is the union for writers. And this union also puts into place like their healthcare benefits. And there's, um, there's all kinds of podcasts and information out there on what the actual agreement is. But basically WGA, their contract expires on May 1st. So obviously this information could be old depending on when you're listening to this. But it expires on May 1st, and so they're getting ready to have negotiations. Now, if you haven't heard about this, it's not that you're living under a rock. It's not that you're not that well-informed. Normally, there's a whole lot of hype if it's going to lead up to something like this, and they really didn't expect this contract negotiation to be such a big deal. But the WGA did come in needing some more because of the new way. I mean, television is evolving so quickly, and... Their pension fund isn't keeping up with it. Their healthcare fund isn't keeping up with it. They're just having to restructure how things are paid. And so much of screenwriting these days is in television, whereas the big money in screenwriting used to be in movies. So now they're having their negotiations. For some reason, whatever the WGA is wanting, they're not getting it. And so they have asked the members of the union to authorize a strike. 
Basically, this means that they can go into negotiations saying, hey, if you don't get this, we're going to stop everything. If you don't give us this, we're going to stop everything. And it's a negotiating tool. Um, You know, on the flip side, that's why you have folks like Kevin Feige on the movie side of Marvel saying, we're fine if they strike. You know, he's technically on the other side. I mean, I don't know that Kevin Feige is on the AMPTP or something, but he's over there and his role is to say, like, whatever. That could be him calling the bluff. It could be real. So that's where we are with the strike and what it is. Now, the important part, what does that mean for our shows? What does that mean for our movies? Uh, Last week, Kevin Feige said definitely that it wouldn't have any impact on movies released through 2018. So what this probably means is that they have scripts ready that they could go with. And on a movie side, as I think I've said several times on the podcast, having the screenwriter, the screenwriter's role has less to do with the final product in movies than it does television. When it comes to television, the screenwriters are the showrunners. They are the ones that keep the consistency throughout the series. They are the ones that run everything. A movie, the director sort of sets the tone. He he's the creative genius behind it. He works with the screenwriter. I mean, the screenwriters in both cases, both parties are incredibly important. But the screenwriters. They run the show in television. Directors run the show in movies. So it's understanding, you know, it it makes sense. One, I think Feige, as far as the movies, is also just, you know, saying, hey, whatever, doing his side in the negotiations. But I think also they could pull off the movies. The big fear is everybody's, what should be on the back of everybody's mind is X-Men Wolverine, uh, where we first saw Deadpool and his mouth was sewn shut. That happened because there was a writer strike and they went in and they just tried to film it anyways, even though, so the writers, when there is a strike, they cannot do any writing. I mean, they, they are a member of a union. The, for this particular strike, 96% of the writers voted yes for the strike. So they are all obviously on board. You're not going to have a writer, even if there's somebody that's trying to break in, you're not going to break in by breaking a strike. So, um, they couldn't have anything written, so they were just like, Hugh, go out there and act funny. And, you know, Deadpool, it was just like, we literally can't put words in his mouth, so they sewed it shut. Obviously, that didn't end well. Obviously, I am sure Feige has more on paper, so stuff like that isn't going to happen. We are not going to get a movie where we're not going to get Captain Marvel with no dialogue. But that that's not the big concern. The big concern is the TV side. And where, um, where it comes into play is that the TV side, scheduling-wise, it really looks like a good place. Where the strike affects most is network television, where they're filming things about two, three weeks before they air. So if you can't have writers sitting there pushing out, I mean, they are in such a tight schedule. You literally have writers finishing the script as they go into filming, filming ending, the editing of filming ending. I know S.H.I.E.L.D., when we were at New York Comic Con, the editing of the episode, it was the Saturday before the Tuesday that it aired, and they weren't completely finished with the editing. 
the editing goes up until the very last minute. Network television, there is very, very little buffer. So my number one concern would be Inhumans, because that's the one network television show that on May 1st is in development. On the other hand, they've been filming Inhumans for a little while now, so I'm not too worried about it getting behind. They they probably could take a few weeks off of filming. This really isn't expected to be a long, drawn-out strike if there is a strike. Still not even sure that there will be one. So they could probably take a few weeks off of filming and it not be a huge deal for Inhumans. Either they have that buffer time built in or it's still so far away. It doesn't premiere until September 1st. So it's so far away that there'll be a little bit of, uh, you know, they can plan a hiatus. They can even like write in things that effectively move to a hiatus. You know, what, what would suck is if it just... You're watching it and it's meant to be watched eight episodes week after week after week. And instead you get four episodes, a five week hiatus, and then four more episodes that weren't designed to break right there and that it didn't feel right. And you come back in and you're like, what the heck is going on? And that is what happened in 2007. It caused a lot of shows to fail. It caused, um, it caused us to get a lot of reality TV. (laughs) Um, on the flip side, Netflix, everyone is saying that Netflix, one, Netflix isn't in the AMPTP. So all of these negotiations technically don't apply to them, but they adhere to this negotiation. They pay their writers WGA um, minimums. They are, you know, they adhere to all of the WGA principles and their writers are usually WGA members. So... Netflix, but and Netflix films so far ahead of time, they actually, there were some rumors that they were behind the strike because if there's not new network television, people will go to Netflix. They'll catch up on things. Netflix has all of their stuff filmed so early that they can still be releasing new stuff and basically taking over while the strike is happening. So that's there really isn't it now it would impact the actual like filming of jessica jones yeah they're in the middle of filming jessica jones they're evidently starting luke cage soon so there's there's stuff in regards to that that it could affect but um it really not i'm not worried about it affecting netflix that much Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has wrapped for the season. They haven't started the... We don't even know that there will be a next season. So it's perfect time for that. And in fact, the way it's been coming back strong after every hiatus, a hiatus might be great. Everybody might go in and watch this most recent pod and remember that they loved S.H.I.E.L.D. And whenever it comes back, it could have much better ratings. So I, I don't see any huge reasons for MCU fans to freak out over the situation. So everybody calm down. It'll be okay. Um, And if you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I'm definitely not an expert in this, but I have been trying to keep an eye on all the details. And at the very least, I can point you towards some people that know the details very well. Thanks, Rhiannon. That was really great. We appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. And I'm sure it's helpful for our listeners to understand that situation a little better. Um, so we're going to move into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's time for us to talk about the latest episode. And 
I will start in a very dramatic way. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a long time has been a show I watch because it's part of the Marvel Universe. I enjoy it all right, but I probably would have dropped it if it wasn't part of the MCU. But I've kind of kept with it because I want to see it all. Uh, This show now is so good. I would watch this show if it had nothing to do with Marvel. I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but for me, this last episode was somewhat in the realm of some of the Netflix episodes of those shows. I just thought it was so good. Absolutely. Did you guys enjoy it this week? Are you still on board this uh, Agents of Hydra train? Definitely. Uh, the, obviously, the best part about it was the ending when, uh, obviously, Colson does his little, um, what do you call it? His monologue, Not where he just, yeah, like, his... raw, we are S.H.I.E.L.D. But it Perfect. Was That's exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> no, but that, it's just, it keeps getting better and better with every episode. You know, they're kind of... They're dealing with something that should have been totally avoidable. You know, it's kind of messing with nature a bit. And that's this is what you get for making robots that can do human stuff better than humans. You know, and it's, it's I love watching them deal with it. You know, it almost seems like there's no solution you know uh it's gonna be hard for them to resolve this conflict so i just like watching them come up with creative ways to get around the situation they're in you know shields firing on all cylinders you know i mean i can't believe i'm saying this but brett dalton's he's killing it you know i I, this (laughs) this week i mean i actually started feeling bad for Ward, you know, because him and well, it's Sky in the framework, but they're talking, and you, I mean, he's hurt because he is part of one world, so he thinks, even though you know it, he doesn't think or he doesn't know his world's, you know, and now all of a sudden his girlfriend from his world is taken over by someone else, you know, and that's just kind of like a, that's where we're gonna get into the point with. Of course, it's a a virtual reality, you know, if you you look at a character like Mac who has his daughter back, you know, is he going to want to leave or is he just going to be like, all right, you guys get out, you put my body in a safe place somewhere, you know, lock me in a vault or something, you know, but I'm staying here, you know, and I could see the uh, show going that way. You know, it's gonna be how many episodes we got left? Three or four? Yeah, not many. I I mean that that's the good part. I'm glad they're still in the framework. You know, I'm 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 very happy it wasn't a one episode thing and they're like, ah, we're out, you know. But I remember we talked about previously where um you know, it's gonna be inevitable that the Zephyr one gets attacked where where Simmons and Daisy are, you know, and I think we're finally getting to that point with the superior back and and so on and so forth. Um, it's taken them longer uh, to get to that point, but at the same time, you know, I'm glad they're certainly moving this storyline out over, you know, seven to eight episodes. Which is a point, like, normally at this point, if you were taking something and it was dragging on like that, I'd be like, get there already! But this has felt very well-paced, 
And the length of time that it's taken for them to get to this point has seemed totally reasonable. And it's been fun to watch. Yeah, I think the thing the writers deserve a ton of credit for, uh, and I feel like they've always been good at this. When we first met Skye, a lot of people found her kind of obnoxious. And I didn't really love her as a character. But then by the time she became Quake in the second season, I was like, wow, I love this character. Like, they convinced me to like this character. What they've done in the last three episodes is take a character that if you've listened to our podcast, you know we all have a general disdain for. Right? Like, we are just tired of Ward. No, I love Ward. (laughs) Okay. Rhiannon has always loved Ward. Adam and I were tired of Ward. Uh, but I'm not anymore. Like, I'm actually cheering for them to, you know, which they're going to do. I, you can see it happening. I'm cheering for them to use the Darkhold to make him like a, a matter body through this device looking glass thing so that he can rejoin the team as Framework Ward, who's like the nice ward. Like, I'm cheering for that because I like that character and I feel feel for him and I almost want to like tear up when I see like the pain he's going through how do they do that how in three episodes have they taken someone I despised and turn him into like someone I really root for I think that's incredible like that is that that takes a lot of skill as a writing team to be able to pull that off and I'm very impressed by it it does you know when when he was doing his little talk to Sky slash Daisy and was getting his gun ready and all that stuff. I'm like, oh man, they're actually gonna kill him. I kind of like this guy now. You know, it's it's amazing how they can flip flop it, like you said, in just that three episodes. So, you know, I mean, Brad Dalton can kill it. You know, in any role he's done on the show. So it'll be interesting. You know, should should Shield get you know renewed, which it probably will. You know, I mean, I. I wouldn't mind seeing LMD Ward, you know, on season five, provided they promise to keep him good for the duration of season five and don't do another twist. The other scene I really loved was right in the beginning where uh, Quake has just gotten her powers back and Madam Hydra, like you think that they're going to kind of have a face off and kind of a verbal back and forth. And it's kind of like the uh, Indiana Jones shooting the guy with the sword scene. You know, where, like, the guy's twirling his swords, and then Indy just shoots him. Like, you think there's going to be a face-off, and Daisy's just like, forget this, and just, like, shoves her out the window, you know, down 20 stories or whatever with her powers. I loved that. That was so cool. Like, I was jumping out of my chair, like, cheering, like, yeah, you know, like, it was so much fun. Um, I feel like they've not let Daisy truly go unhinged. I think it'd be great since they're in the framework if once they get to their exit, they let Daisy just take out like, you know, half a city with her powers. I think it'd be really cool to see her like unleash Um, because every time she uses those powers, I just get super hyped because they're using superhero powers in a cool way that looks good and that makes sense. And she's actually very powerful. And I just think that all is very cool. I also, there's, I, I have a little bit of respect of the writers pointing out something that, I mean, May turning around and being like, your powers are really well developed for somebody that just went through Terragenesis. Yeah. I realized that was necessary for May to piece together, you know, that, that there's something different about Sky Daisy. But I, 
I also just appreciate when the writers point out, you know, like, close up some sort of gap that you may have noticed. You know, that, like, okay, this person did notice that she's really freaking good when she, when she shouldn't be. Um, another scene that came to mind real quick. I mean, usually we don't do this much reviewing, but I just love this so much. The talk between Fitz's dad and Radcliffe. I just thought was really good. Like, it was kind of cool that you know that those people know each other in real life. And so to see Radcliffe talk to the the Matrix version of his dad and just the, the sort of hatred and the, the two actors there, the way that they really portrayed a dislike and a distaste for each other. And the scene just to me kind of crackled with the tension of their dislike for one another. I just thought that was really well acted. And for me, kind of redeemed Radcliffe. He's a character that I've been kind of feeling like, why are they keeping this guy around? And I, I just thought that that scene uh, kind of proved that he still has some value in all of this. So I do have an issue whenever we see Fitz's dad because his accent is weird. I, I keep meaning to look it up, like if he's an American actor doing a Scottish accent or if he's, you know, like a British actor, actor trying to make it Scottish or something. There's something weird about his accent that takes me out of the moment whenever he's there. But I did love that, that scene between the two of them. Oh, one more thing I had on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, now that they're building this Darkhold portal, I think somebody's going to show back up before the end of the season. Are they not? Oh, Ghost Rider? I think so. I mean, Ghost Rider's going to come. I mean, there's no way that they're building the same kind of portal that they shot Ghost Rider out of, uh, you know, and he's not going to walk back through at some point. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think that that's coming. No, I'm with you. And wasn't there a spoiler? Um, a potential that we might see, and I think this might be a spoiler for folks that don't want to be spoiled. Future, didn't we see that Nick Hunter? Wait. Yeah. Did I get names mixed up there? Uh, I think his name is Nick Blood. Nick Blood, who plays Lance Hunter? Yes, that's right. Nick Blood sounds (laughs) like like... a fake name. His real name (laughs) sounds like a fake name, and his fake name sounds like his real name. <laughs> Anyways, that he was on set, so we might still see him before they get out of the dark uh, the uh, framework. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I'd be surprised if they've kept it for right here at the end, but yeah, that would be awesome. All right, um, sounds like we've had our fill of Agents of Shield talk, so let's go on to our main conversation. Uh, and let me, the, where we're going to launch off into this conversation is this. Um, as we've been looking at these different uh, news stories, um, we have heard Kevin Feige say that phase four is going to look very, very different than the previous phases. And there's even been some talk of if like phases is even a way that we're going to talk about this anymore, like if Marvel Studios is going to stop thinking about these films in that sort of new unit of film that they've made up of the phase. Um, And it got us to thinking that we need to talk a little bit or we want to talk about the idea of interconnectivity. And we talked about a little bit earlier with the Netflix shows, but we want to get into this some. Um, The Marvel Universe started with this promise that it was all connected. And that got really exciting. And then when they said they were going to do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it was going to be connected, that got even more exciting. And some of us just freak out every time 
there's uh, an allusion to Daredevil in Agents of Shield, or you know the Helicarrier shows up in Age of Ultron that we that was from uh, Coulson's work. But I think there's also a growing sort of discontent with that. Um, do you guys, where do you guys feel about where we're at with connectivity? Do you wish Marvel would do it more, or are we maybe reaching a time where getting less connectivity might be better for the movies and the shows and all that kind of stuff? I want more, I think. I either want more or I want them to give us a reason for it not to happen. You know, like maybe at the end of Infinity War, we're in a different cosmic realm or something crazy like there. So it very much makes sense that they won't know about the Devil of Hell's Kitchen or even Spider. I mean, I, Spider Man is the one part that feels like they should all connect because he's hanging out in Queens, but also like somehow involved in Infinity War. Um, so I either want one extreme or the other. Okay, so like staying in this middle ground of it's kind of connected, but not really. You'd rather them go more full-fledged into it or actually pull back from it. Yeah, I mean, because let's face it, like no person that hasn't watched, you know, that, that doesn't study Marvel, without explanation, how many people truly catch that in Daredevil, the quote-unquote incident is aliens blowing up New York City? How many of those references to the Avengers actually are understood by the viewers? And I know they really dug them in. I know, you know, especially in Jessica Jones, you had somebody just like the scene where the two people just really flipped their lids with Jessica being an enhanced person. But I, I just feel it's a half measure. Um... And that they they need to go a little bit further. If it's going to be connected, make it really connected. You know, just say, stop saying the green man or the man with the hammer and iron suit and all that. And just say, Iron Man, the Hulk. Like, don't tell me the Avengers aren't everyday names in this universe. Go all the way and make it something that can be truly cool to people, not just winks and nods to interconnectivity, but make them actually connected. And I don't think they're ever going to go there. And if they're not going to go there, disconnect it. Yeah, I'm almost pretty much in the same boat, you know. One would think it doesn't take that much work to have Henstrands or DeCastecker on set for a week, maybe, you know, or... Or even a couple of days to film a cameo, you know. Nick Fury's in his helicarrier, and then Fitz runs up and says, "Oh, Director Fury, I got so and so." Then he goes off. You know, it, it doesn't seem like it would take that much, you know. But then again, I'm not the one organizing it all. You know, it's I don't mind it where it's at now, but every time we hear the incident, you know, it. I mean, the Netflix stuffs nearly not complete or not connected at all you know i mean they could have they even name dropped like tony stark or, or steve rogers or anything uh the closest not by name the closest i can think of is they do have hammer tech yeah and luke cage so I, 
which is a pretty explicit connection to Iron Man 2 in my mind, but. Because you know it backwards and forwards. Right, that's true. Nobody who is watching Luke Cage who doesn't know the movies would think that, right? Yeah, I barely caught that reference. You know, I mean, in what, in Ben Yurick's office, we got a picture of the incident or something, I think. But, you know, you have the the hockey and the incident Blu-rays or something, you know, maybe we could get a clip of what that WHIH or that news viral video station that they made as part of Civil War, you know, maybe we could get like Iron Man shooting something or Tony Stark having a, a press release or a press conference in support of the Sokovia Accords or something, you know, um... Then again, I mean, I, I don't mind it where it's at now, you know. I mean, um, you take a look at some of the stuff stuff Fox has been cranking out this year, you know, between Logan and Legion, you know, and those were both phenomenal. So it's it's not necessarily bad with how unconnected, or I don't want to say it's unconnected, but how little it's connected now. Um, but I, I think each and every one of us wants, you know, we want to see Daredevil fighting Thanos. You know, we want to see Iron Fist fighting Thanos, you know. Um, but we won't get that, you know. Um, I don't mind it where it's at now. You know, I don't think, I mean, <laughs> how much less connected can they get? They just stop saying the incident and that's about it, you know. So, yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah, you mentioned Legion and Logan, and I think you can really add Deadpool into that as well. These are some of the most popular and well-received comic things that have happened in the last year or so. Uh, Also, this season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been pretty well-received with the framework stuff. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy has done pretty well, being in its own world. Do you guys think it's coincidence that the things that fans are loving happen to just be kind of in their own universe or is it possible that all those properties are succeeding because they don't have the weight of fitting into a bigger structure i think i mean a thing like guardians you know i think people liked it because it's it had something for everyone you know it was funny you could go to guardians and you didn't need to know steve rogers was captain america you didn't need to know Steve Rogers and Bucky were best friends growing up. I didn't need to know that stuff. I mean, you go to Civil War or you go to Infinity War next year, you know. I mean, if if you had not seen a single MCU movie and you go to Infinity War, you know, what what's your reaction going to be? You're going to be like, I don't really like this movie this much because there are three dozen characters and they're all fighting this big purple guy you know what the heck's going on this is a pretty big fight for just being a random movie you know so especially with guardians you know it it's it's separate people know what's going on you know um i mean deadpool i mean deadpool's gonna do good whatever he's in besides uh what was it wolverine origins but that that that's a different story you know but that was because of a writer strike dun 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 yeah as long as we don't go into some like crazy bs because of a writer strike which we won't <laughs> which we won't yeah that could be a problem <laughs> okay good as as we know because we've listened to your report 
Um, exactly. Because I explained earlier. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I think the thing that disappoints me, and, you know, I know this might be a little bit of dead ho- beating a dead horse for some people, but what bothers me is the little moments that they miss that could be so easy. Like, in Civil War, Vision says, since you guys started popping up as heroes, there's been an exponential increase into the um, the amount of superhero people in the world, or enhanced people in the world. And it would have been so easy, just one line of dialogue. There's reports of some guy running around in a devil costume in New York, and a PI with superpowers, and uh, a shield agent with, you know, the ability to quite create earthquakes. Like, any little, like, monikers or name. Like, he could have said anything there. And he could have said it as, there's been reports that this has been seen. And if you don't know those movies, you don't have to understand it. That dialogue makes plenty of sense. Like, they could do that. The other one that's been bugging me lately is, um, Madam Hydra has an office in the Triskelion, Right? How hard would it have been? They had to build a set anyways. Why don't they just build the set so that her office looks exactly like Pierce's office from Civil War or um from Winter Soldier, right? Like that would have made so much sense that Alexander Pierce's office would now be Madame Hydra's office. And they wouldn't have had to say anything, they just would have made them look the same. And for those of us that have seen the movie go oh, that's cool because that's the same office from that movie. Like, it just seems to me those things could be done. It would not take that much work. It wouldn't, you know, I understand that the schedules are difficult and stuff, but it just doesn't seem like it would be that hard. But I don't know. It's still happening. (laughs) Which takes me back to what you were talking about earlier. Like, I, I cannot believe that Marvel would not have people devoted to continuity. I know when Daredevil season one came out, Stephen DeKnight, the showrunner, was saying that, like, if he needed a random sign in the background, there were folks at Marvel that would come and be like, oh, here's this deep cut from an issue, you know, we'll make this Atlas across, you know, across the hall from Nelson and Murdoch is Atlas. And that was like a nod to the old Marvel comics. I, I just can't believe that they don't have a spine to keep it all straight so that they can connect them like that. You know, that doesn't say, here's an office and then try Scullion. We should make it look like Pierce's office, you know? Well, and the I... thing that makes it really unbelievable is the fan community is doing it. Like, they don't need right. some brilliant guy. Like, they could hire a couple of people off Reddit and they would manage to... I mean, we have that guy who's obsessed with editing Avengers Tower into skylines in netflix shows have you seen these videos yes that's like another one like it should be in the skyline how hard is this could this be (laughs) you know i didn't intend this to be a conversation where we just griped about the lack of connectivity but that's okay because it's really (laughs) annoying um i i do have one hope for the connectivity of where it could go and that's um I have dreams that characters will graduate from the TV shows to the movies. I know that the movies are kind of loath to take a character from the TV show and give them a cameo. To give them a cameo. I know Feige has said he doesn't like that. He doesn't like the idea of like characters just crossing each other on the street as a wink wink. 
But I think there's going to be some opportunities as these shows end to absorb people from TV to the movies. And the reason I think it's going to happen in that direction is because TV shows just get canceled faster. You know, like a TV show that lasts six years is a show that lasted a pretty long time. Whereas it takes six years to make two movies. And so when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gets canceled, we're not wishing that on them, but when it happens, because it'll happen eventually. At that point, Quake should become a regular fixture in Avengers movies. Like, it just wouldn't make sense for her not to be there in, like, a Maria Hill role. If someday Daredevil stops making new, you know, after season eight of Daredevil, once they've 48. kind of... eight Season 48 of okay. Daredevil. Okay, <laughs> That's all right. But, uh, you know, like, after a, a period of time, after it's run its course, and they're having trouble thinking of new plots to write for a TV show, and maybe Charlie Cox says, you know, I want to graduate to the movies... This doesn't happen as much anymore because TV is kind of where all the creativity is right now. But, you know, traditionally people did TV for a while and then they wanted to make that leap to the big screen. It makes sense that you would say, okay, we're not making any more Netflix shows. We're going to go ahead and make a Daredevil movie. Even if it's just like a capper that finishes out all the loose ends to the Netflix show and allows Charlie Cox to make that jump to the big screen and try to be a movie star instead of a TV star. Like, to me, that is something that we're going to need to see happen, and it'll be really fun to see happen if these characters that we know well from the TV shows can graduate up into the movies once their shows are canceled or aren't made anymore. To me, that's going to be the next step in evolution of this all-connected. And this whole... the, The BS about not wanting them just to, you know, be a wink... To show up in the movies and just be a wink to that character. To me, that is such a pile of crap. When you read the comics and like going through and reading, I mean, even if you just look at, and sorry, Daredevil's like the easiest reference I have, but this Charles Soule run of Daredevil that we're currently in, somewhere in the first 10 or so, there was one issue where randomly Captain America was there. And he had, I mean, it was just a wink to Captain America. He was there. It was a character that Matt Murdock knew really well from his past. And they go on this little, you know, like, find a bomb, defuse the bomb, you know, yay, we saved the world. It happened, and it made sense, and it was okay that it happened, and it was there. And it really helps. Yeah, and then Captain America goes away. And it was a wink. You know, in one direction, that was the movies to the TV shows. But I don't see any reason why you couldn't have similar from the TV shows to the movies. I mean, Punisher would be the number one to do it, I would think, Um, other than the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, I think the S.H.I.E.L.D. characters all could easily show up in the movies because they kind of already have. You know, they spun out from the movies. But um, yeah, this subject just gets me really hyped up. Jessica Jones, uh, the comic, the first Alias comic book with her uh, by Bendis, that was good. I mean, Captain Marvel will jump in for a page or two. I think she gets, uh, doesn't she get set up on a date with Scott Lang or something like that? That's in volume two. Volume two, Uh, she's dating Scott Lang. Okay, but you know, Um, like Volume one, she's researching somebody. I don't remember if she's spying on somebody and it turns out that it's Steve Rogers. Yeah, or he's got a relationship with a woman. 
Yeah. And she gets like photos of them together. And he says, you know, I kind of have this clean cut image where that's not great. Can you kind of bury it? But he's only in it for like three pages. And it and totally, it totally makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. So don't give me that BS line, Feige. <laughs> yeah, Kevin. Do you have yeah, any thoughts Kevin. on any more of this, Adam? Or have we just gone into La La Land? No, you guys, I like it. I love your banter. I love uh, Soul's Daredevil run. It's really good. Shout out to uh, our guy Charles. He's a good guy. I'm really too, I mean, while we're talking about this, Daredevil and Spider-Man are going to cross paths they eventually. There's, there's only so many rooftops in New York that people can be swinging around on before they become roughly aware of each other, you know? And I love those, those matchups. The Spider-Man Daredevil comics are great. Yeah, yeah. They, they offset well from each other, but, I mean, if we're looking at reality, that would involve a deal that involves Sony, Marvel, Netflix... And who knows how many attorneys to, to allow it to happen. Amy Pascal has promised us that they're just doing this because it's what's right for the character. And as long as this was right from the character, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and oh. promises made by studio heads are totally worth setting your hopes and dreams on. If they really are getting rid of phases, if we're going to stop thinking about these movies as, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, does that make a difference to you or do you just want to see more movies coming out? It makes zero difference for me because I couldn't even tell you which movies were in which phase the way it is now. I mean, I have the general idea, but I mean, it's the type of thing, you know, it doesn't make that much difference, you know, um... Each phase kind of has had its own separate tone the way it is. You know, right now they're all going for all sorts of different uh, colors and bright lights and things like that, you know. But, I mean, uh, if they ditch phases, I, I really don't care. You know, as long as they start putting out quality movies and put Kingpin and Spider-Man Homecoming 2, who cares about phases, you know? I agree. I mostly care because I really like the phase Blu-ray sets. You know, like each phase, they make a really cool Blu-ray. It was the the Tesseract briefcase, and then it was the orb from Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm really hoping that the phase three is going to be a, an Infinity Gauntlet. So the collector in me enjoys the those sets. So, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a huge difference. I think what we're seeing generally is they are trying to simplify a lot of stuff. I think they've realized how hard things are when they're complex. I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. learned from that first season how hard it is to tell a story when you're waiting for something to happen in a movie. Uh, We saw recently Feige said that instead of shooting Infinity War and Avengers 4 at the same time, they're shooting them kind of as two separate movies. They're going to do Infinity War and then they're going to do the other and that makes sense to me. He said, you know, it's just too hard. There's storyboards going on and actors coming and going. And we just, we knew that we were going to lose something in the value of the quality of the product if we made this too hard. And so I think anything that makes it easier and lets them tell good stories is okay. And I've gotten to a point now where I do believe that sometimes stories are better told when there's less connectivity, you know, like. Iron Man 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy are the counterexamples. 
right? Like Iron Man 2 was kind of a mess because they were trying to set up so many other things. And Guardians was so good because they didn't feel as re- required and stuck um, in the, the bigger picture. So uh, I'm going to do the mailbag real quick. Uh, not as much mail this week. Just uh, sometimes we get lots of mail and sometimes we don't. This week we got a couple of notes on the website. Uh, Mark uh, commented in again and just said that he is not fatigued of MCU TV shows yet. And he says that he does think there's still a ton of characters they can use. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about is Marvel scraping the bottom of the barrel. And he pointed out uh, characters like Ghost Rider and Blade that they just really haven't gone anywhere near that corner of the universe. And that's really true. Uh, Alvin uh, was just saying that he likes completing the set. He's kind of got that collector mindset. And so he'll watch all the Marvel shows because he wants to see them all and know that he's seen it all. Uh, and then Love Waffle had a really great comment. Always have to summarize uh, all the good stuff he's got. But uh, basically talked about going into a- uh, Avengers Age of Ultron with some friends. And they were legitimately confused about what was going on. So that was to your point where you said earlier, Adam, like there are going to be people that are going to come into Infinity War and leave like what in the world is going on? I just don't, you know, like what was that? So I think there is a danger to that. Uh, and so he was just talking about how tricky it is to kind of keep those things that connected. We also got a lot of great comments out of YouTube. We had over 1,200 people watch uh, on YouTube this week, which is really great. We appreciate all of you guys. We can't read all of your comments, but we really appreciate them. Uh, Davos Seaworth said that there can't be too much MCU. There can only be too little time to watch it all. That got a lot of thumbs up, so that seems to be the way most people feel. Uh, Moon Knight said Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was unbelievably impressive this season, so that was awesome. Uh, Harrison Bickley said, thanks for uploading to YouTube. It's the first time I've listened. I hope it's not my last. We hope it's not your last either. Uh, We had someone called Your Angelico that just said, I love you. Uh, Thank you. We uh, appreciate you guys loving the web podcast. Uh, And there's a bunch of other comments from a bunch of other people. I don't have time to read them all, but uh, thank you guys so much. There's a lot of good comments on YouTube, so keep them coming. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, Rhiannon, Adam, go ahead and give us your Twitter handles and any other things you want to share, and then we'll be done. You can find me on the Twitter as Shot of Patron, all one word. I write on the site uh, under a pseudonym. That It's dawned on me that like people may not realize that I am the same person. Um, I write on the site as a pseudonym as Brooklyn Wallace. Um, and you can listen to if you need like a whole hour of thoughts on the Netflix scheduling you can listen to me on Super Lateys yeah I am at Adam Barnhart on Twitter and Instagram you what guys if you can find this new Marvel Legends Moon Knight figure for me let me know because I got outbid and it's currently $80 on eBay and I refuse to pay that much so hit me up (laughs) All right. That we're now soliciting gifts from uh from listeners. No, just kidding. Uh I am Caleb A. Borchers on Twitter or at Caleb A. Borchers. Um and as always we want to encourage you guys check out the website, uh stay up to t- uh date with all your MCU news at mcuexchange.com. Uh, if you want to support our our um podcast, you can do that a lot of ways. Listening is a big way that you can do that. 
but also you can like us on SoundCloud. You can like the Facebook posts uh, related to this. You can leave comments on Facebook. You can send us comments for us to read our mailbag at uh, hashtag MCUXPod, MCUEXPOD. Um, also, big one, you can send us uh, reviews on iTunes where you say nice things about how much you love the website. So um, I think that is it. And um, we have I've got to remember to tell you this. Next week, the schedule will be wonky. Uh, we try to get you out the podcast every Friday. Last week, it was a little later because of some, some new issues. Hoping to have this one out in the morning, but if not, it'll be out sometime Friday. But next week is Guardians of the Galaxy. And we know from experience that if we talk about Guardians on Thursday night in a preview kind of sense... No one will listen to the podcast because you're all going to be at the movie theaters watching Guardians. So we will not record on our usual schedule next week. We will push it to probably Sunday and hopefully have the podcast out Monday morning. So you have to wait three whole days for your MCU exchange fix on the podcast. But that way we can talk about the movie and what we thought about it. And we can all kind of rehash it together. You know, you, the listeners and us on the podcast, uh, kind of around the water cooler Monday morning. So. That's the plan for now. Uh, also, if you want to listen to the podcast on YouTube, that is an option that's available to you. Uh, other than that, I think we're good to go. And so you guys have a great week. And the next time you hear us, we're going to be talking about how awesome Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is. So have a good week and enjoy the movie. See you then. Uh